to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. For the last couple of weeks, we've taken a break from our journey through the book of Esther, <clears throat> looking at lessons in obedience, and we've been looking at the prophecies of Christ's birth and the reason for the season. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, we looked, began in Genesis and looked at the prophecy of the virgins, the seed of the virgin woman and, and Christ coming to the earth. Last week, uh, we got into Luke chapter 1 and we saw the birth of John the Baptist and saw uh, Mary and Joseph being told that they were going to be the ones that brought Christ into this world. And today, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2 and uh, read through the Christmas story uh, to see Christ being brought to this earth and just what a wonderful gift it is for all of us. So Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1 is where we're going to start. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus <clears throat> that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should deliver, or sorry, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swathing clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which, is, which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which, the Lord, or which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in, our, in her heart. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you so much for this glorious gift, the gift of your only begotten Son. It shows your tremendous love for us. Lord, I pray that as we look at the birth of your Son today, as we come to know and understand what a great gift this is, that we would not just leave it wrapped, but Lord, that we would take it and open it and use it, make it our own, that we by faith would walk with you each and every day, 
So God, please speak to our hearts today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said a minute ago, we've been looking at the prophecy. We've been looking at the reason that Christ was coming. We know that uh, from all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that Christ was prophesied, that he was prophesied because Adam and Eve, who were made perfect, created in the image of God, sinned in the garden. They disobeyed God's word. They ate of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were opened. They knew that they were naked and they were ashamed and they hid themselves from God. And in God's punishment for this sin, sin was unleashed onto the earth. The thorns and the thistles began to grow. The weeds began to grow. No longer was the earth a perfect place. No longer were Adam and Eve a perfect people. But in all of that punishment, there was grace and there was mercy. God promised as he's telling the serpent of his punishment, he promised that there would come a seed from the woman that would bruise the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. That one day death and sin would be defeated and that all would be redeemed or all that chose would be redeemed. Then last week we began in Luke chapter 1 and we saw the angel Gabriel come and speak to Mary and bless her that she was a woman chosen by God to bear his son. And in that blessing she knew and understood that Christ was coming to this earth to lead her people, to save her people. But not just her people, all people. Notice, if you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, notice in verse number 10 of Luke chapter 2, it said, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now we believe that the King James Bible is the pure and preserved, inerrant word of God, and that every word is there for a reason. The word all is all that all means. And it means everyone. All of us, each and every one of us have the opportunity to receive the gift that God is giving right here in Luke chapter 2. Today, as we go through the story of Christ and his birth, we want to look at the reactions of those that were involved, the reactions of those that were in the area. Because everyone has a different reaction to Christ. So first, we're going to start off and we're going to look at the reaction of the world or those that would be a picture of the world. We're going to start with Caesar Augustus. Caesar was a ruler of the Roman Empire. And he chose at this time that it was time for the world to be taxed. He wanted everyone to pay him tribute. He's been protecting them. He's been providing for them. Basically, he's extorting them. This is a confident scheme or, or an extortion scam that you would see in most large cities in the world, the mafia would do this. They would go into small local shops and they would make them pay protection so that their store didn't get robbed. This is basically what's going on here. Honestly, it's no different than what's going on in our country today with our own government. But that's, I I'm not, don't want to get political on all of this, but this is still happening today in the majority of the civilized world. People are paying for things and, and being forced to do things that they don't want to do. But in all of this, we need to understand that this was part of God's plan. 
this is part of God's purpose. The book of Romans, Romans 8.28 says, For all things work together for good to them that know God, to them, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. The good, the bad, the ugly. I made a joke about Josiah being our tax write-off. Not to get too far into the story, but because of our daughter, our oldest, and her desire to be here four months early, uh, my first wife had to have C-sections for all of our children. So when we found out we were pregnant with Josiah, he was planned. We did want him. He's not an accident. But when we found out that, that we were pregnant with him, the doctor mapped it out and said, okay, nine months, we need to go early because we don't want any chance of her going into labor. We don't want complications. So here's your choice, December 30th or January 2nd. Knowing the way the world is after New Year's, we definitely did not want January 2nd. And the blessing of December 30th was we could write him off as a, 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 a deduction on our taxes for that year. So it is... He is seriously, a lot of the, the choice was because it was a tax write-off, but he is wanted. And I don't know why I went into all of that. Insurance is a confident scheme, but never mind. Um, the thing is, we had a choice. And uh, we had a choice, but even all of that, now I remember where I'm at, all things work together for good. Even with Abigail's coming four months premature and, and being in the hospital for 92 days and, and all of those things, it, that is what it took for me to come to understand that I couldn't fix everything, that I couldn't be the problem solver for the world, that there was something higher than me that took care of everything, that provided for everything. It was the night that she was born that I got on my knees and realized there was nothing that I could do, there was nothing that any of the doctors could do to keep her alive, and I began to seek a higher power. I began to seek God. Just as Jephthah did this morning, we saw him make that vow. I made a vow that night, and I got on my knees and I said, God, if you're real, keep her alive and I will find you. It was a little over a year later, uh, almost two years later, that I that God found me through a bunch of different things. He moved me around and... On Friday, July 13th of 2007, I got saved. I accepted the gift that God gave us on this day in Luke chapter 2. The gift of His Son. And I took it and I opened it. Uh, it's interesting as I announced that we have presents for everybody and there's still a few under the tree. And there's one that's going to be under the tree after you all leave because it's for my mom and my mom wasn't able to make it today. She's not feeling well. But... Those gifts still belong to the people that they're for. They have your name on it. There's one there for the Ruley family. There's one there for uh, Brooklyn. There's one there for Caden. There's one there for Skyler. They have your name on it. But are they truly yours if you haven't taken them and began to use them? Are you getting the benefit? Are you getting the joy? Naomi was able to get the benefit and the joy of drinking hot chocolate out of her brand new Penguin mug. This gift was given to us over 2,000 years ago. But how many of us have actually taken it and opened it and are using it, are getting the joy and the benefit from it? Caesar thought he was just taxing the world, but God used it to bring Mary and Joseph 
from Galilee to Bethlehem. Because the prophecy was that the Christ child, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. But in all of this, there's still more people that represent the world that are reacting. And this one you might find a little odd, but the Jews in this picture are representing the world. Those Jews that were living in Bethlehem at the time, even many of them that were Mary and Joseph's family. Now there are a couple of theories about the word in used in verse number 7. The one that I believe wholeheartedly and after studying throughout the scriptures and seeing where the word in is first used and how it's used throughout the Bible, I believe that the word in is the same use that we have today for it. It's a place where travelers would go and they would pay an innkeeper to get a room for the night. It's a commercial establishment. But there are some that would believe that the word in refers to a part of the actual home of a family, what we would call a guest room. And that Joseph and Mary's family didn't make any room for them in their home. And they believe that through this, uh, it shows even more how uh, the situation of Joseph and Mary, how, how the Jews did not look favorably on the fact that they were not yet married and she was already with child and they know it's not Joseph's child, but they don't understand that it's the Son of God. But in either case, the fact is that Mary is great with child and no one, no one had compassion on her. We went uh, a couple of weeks ago across the street uh, for... Uh, my great uncle, uh, his 40th wedding anniversary celebration, and, and we got to meet up with some family. And uh, his one of his youngest son uh, is married to a lovely young lady. Um, the first time we met her, was it you that shot her in the face with a Nerf dart? I don't know. Uh, the first time we met her, it was Wyatt. It was Wyatt. Uh, the first time we met her was at a family Christmas, and it wasn't just the little Nerf dart. It was the mega Nerf dart. Oh. And he shot her square in the face. Uh, and she's still here. That was 15 years ago, 14, 12 years ago, and she's still here. But she is great with child. She is due tomorrow, 26th, yeah, on Tuesday. She is due any time now, and it is very obvious that she is pregnant. Here, the Bible tells us that Mary was great with child. That as Mary and Joseph entered Bethlehem, they sought a place to stay and there was no room for them anywhere. No one took compassion on them and gave them a room, gave them a place except for in the barn with the animals being born in a manger. How different are we today? Even as, again, we celebrate here today on Christmas Eve a holiday that is named after our Lord Jesus Christ, the day we choose to celebrate His coming to this earth, how many of us have only made just a little bit of space in our hearts? How much of the world is more concerned about what's underneath the Christmas tree than they are about the Lord that came to die for them? This part of the story reminds me of another place where the word in is used. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 10. 
Luke chapter 10 and verse number 30. Actually, you know what? Let's go back to verse number 25 because it gives us more of the context. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Notice the use of the word all. All thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind. Every bit of us. And then it says, and thy neighbor as thyself. Verse number 28, And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wound, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto, them, unto him, Take care of him, and whatever whatsoever... Thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. The sad part is that the priest and the Levite are also this man's neighbor. Yet they were unwilling to make themselves unclean with possibly touching a dead body. They didn't want to get dirty. They had no compassion for the man who had been beaten and robbed and left for dead. Things are really no different today. Even at a time of year where the most people actually attend a church service, very few still want to make room for Jesus. But there's hope. As we continue on in Luke chapter 2, we come to a group that symbolizes the believers. We see the shepherds. The angels announce the birth of our Lord, not to the religious in the temple, but first to the shepherds watching their flock by night. This is important for many reasons, and the first of which is these men are a picture of today's pastors. They are charged with caring for and protecting a flock. It's through them that everything is filtered so that the flock may thrive. It's through them that the flock comes to know the green pastures and still waters, that they're led in the paths of righteousness and through the valley of the shadow of death. It's through the shepherd that the flock learns to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These men were also looked on, though, as a necessity, but they weren't important. They were the lowest of the social class. But these men were full of faith and accepted every word of the angel. 
the angels leaving their flock in the hands of the Lord to go and see the newborn king. When they had found the child, they rejoiced and went to the world telling their story. What a response. Meet the Lord and then tell everyone who will listen how you met him. Another picture of the believer is Mary. We again don't hear much from Mary. We know that she is the mother of Christ and we know that she had just one question for the angel as Angel Gabriel as he came and, and prophesied all of this. But Mary is not making speeches. There's no other action recorded other than she gave birth to the child. She knows and understands what has happened. She knows that she has just given birth to the Son of God. She knows that a bunch of shepherds have come to meet the child and all she can do is ponder these things. I understand this. As the night that I got saved and for two weeks after that, I just pondered the wonderful thing that had taken place in my life. I didn't tell anyone. Not even my wife. I didn't have the words to proclaim the change that I felt. I was in a state of shock. With Mary, though, we only see a brief moment when she truly shows that she knows who Jesus is. And that's at the wedding of Cana, when she instructs the servants to do what Christ says because they ran out of wine. Unfortunately, everywhere else she treats Christ as her own son and even the son of Joseph. Going as far as thinking that he's beside himself as he teaches the scripture tells us that she believed he was crazy. And then again at the cross, she's silent, pondering all that's happened. Many believers today are silent. I spent the majority of my youth and my Christian walk thinking that I was a first-generation believer. It wasn't until just a few years ago that I found out that both of my grandparents got saved as teenagers, but they never shared that with us. They just kept it in their heart. They let their 30-plus grandchildren, their six children... Make up their own mind. I'm so thankful that God saw something in me. That he chose to bring Abby four months premature. That he chose to move me to a whole other city. And introduce me to a man from Florida. That he brought up to start a church. I'm so thankful that God loved me that much. To reroute my life. To help me to know him when... All it would have taken was my grandparents saying, hey, here's something I know. Here's something I believe. That's why on the 31st uh, for our game night, we are having a time of testimony. Because we need to tell the story of how we met the king. We need to rejoice. We need to share it. 
we left off in verse number 19 that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Verse number, number 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took then took he him, him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to light the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through my own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. And she coming in, that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Simeon and Anna are two people who were happy to see the deliverer arrive. They both met Christ in the temple where they've been serving and praying for just this very moment their entire lives. They rejoiced at the goodness of the Lord and blessed the child as he was circumcised and named. They were faithful. Faithful. The last group that we see that represents the believer's are not mentioned here, but they're mentioned back in Matthew chapter 2. Excuse me. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. So it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Then Herod the king had heard these things. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For thus it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, and I may come that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, and it till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The wise men. Now we understand from the reading here that some time has passed. I personally believe it's been about two years since the since Christ was born and the wise men have been following their star. These men studied the heavens. They saw the star that God put in the heavens to proclaim the birth of his son. They left their home and traveled to Jerusalem knowing there was a king. Knowing that that was where the king of the Jews lived. They were not in possession of all the information, but they soon found out that Bethlehem was where they needed to be. But notice it doesn't say they went to Bethlehem. It said they, de they departed and they followed the star until it came and stood over where the young child was. The Bible tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, there is no tribe, there is no nation on earth that doesn't believe in a God. Every one of them has a flood story. We all understand. We all know that there is a higher power, that there is something that this world could not have just happened. These men chose to find out. They went and they found the child. And they presented him with gifts befitting a king. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then knowing the special, the specialness of this child. And recognizing in Herod something that was evil. They went another way. They didn't return to Herod and tell him where the child was. They left those to themselves who would seek to do harm. This is quite a story. And I'm going to ask you, where do you fit today? Are you like the world, only interested in what Christ gives you, but having no real room for him in your life? Are you like the believers, proclaiming his glory, pondering the things of God, and thanking God every day for the blessing of his Son, following the light that is given by God to lead you in the path that he wants you to take? 
or are you a mixture? As we prepare to celebrate on this Christmas Eve, let us not forget the true reason for Christmas. The day that God himself came to this earth as a baby to live our life, to walk in our shoes, to be tempted as we were, but in perfect holiness to do it without sin. To go to be sacrificed on the cross of Calvary for you and I. All of this points to the cross. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A gift has been given. Romans. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I think we can pretty much all understand that we're not who we should be. I think we would all admit we've told a lie. We've taken something that didn't belong to us. We've disobeyed in just the basics of moral character. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We would all understand that we work and we get paid a wage. I got paid a wage on Thursday because the shop was closed on Friday. But somebody forgot to sign the check. I really didn't get paid. But praise the Lord, she's here today and we got the, we got that taken care of. <laughs> but we all make a wage. We all earn something for what we do. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners and that the wage for that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is wrapped, waiting with your name on it. Just waiting for you to take it. Romans 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that easy. It's that simple. It doesn't involve any work. We just have to unwrap the gift and make it ours. We just have to call on the name of the Lord. Don't let the gift go to waste. Don't let it sit there unused. Time is short and getting shorter by the minute. Amen. One day, that gift is going to perish. It's going to go away. What have you done with it today? <clears throat>